surgeons keep our hearts beating. They do the amazing, help save lives, and so can you. Your CSL Plasma donation can help create 24 critical life-saving medicines that can give Grandpa the chance for his heart to swell when he meets his new grandson or give a bride the chance for her heart to skip a beat on her wedding day. Every plasma donation helps more than you know. Do the amazing. Help save lives. Donate today at your local CSL Plasma Center and be rewarded for your generosity. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with Taylor Nolan. Today, I'm going to continue talking about food here. We've done a few episodes um, kind of focused on veganism and being vegetarian and um, one with hunting as well. So a little bit opposite here. We're just kind of going all over the map with food. Um, So I think this is a really important topic that I know a lot of you have questions about. And um, I'm really excited to do this episode today. We're going to be talking with Tony, who has a new book out called Plant-Based on a Budget, and has also had a blog that all kind of started, uh, which she became vegan at 20. And I feel like I can relate to her story a little bit here, um, but I'm super excited to learn some of the tips and a little bit more about Tony's journey. So thank you so much, Tony, for uh, coming on the show today. And I'm really excited to get chatting and to learn a little bit more about you. Thanks for having me on, Taylor. I'm excited. Yeah. So... You have um, this blog, Plant-Based on a Budget, um, and I'm curious, you know, you said that you kind of became vegan at 20 and were living paycheck to paycheck um, when this kind of started happening. And so I'm curious if you can share a little bit about what that time in your life uh, looked like and how how becoming vegan came to light for you. Uh, yes. So it had started before I was even in my 20s. It started very slowly and gradually and it all happened because I was running track in high school and Mm. I had a high school that was located directly across the street from a Taco Bell and I would go eat Taco Bell Mm. at lunch and then come and try to perform really well but then I would get sick and my concerned coach was like, hey Tony, have you thought about not Not eating Taco Taco Bell Bell. (laughs) before you come to track practice every day. And to me, I had never made the connection between what I put in my body and how it would affect my health and performance. And so Mm. I first cut out most fast food and red meat. Mm. And from there, I eliminated very, very, very slowly and over a long period of time, animal products in general. Mm, yeah. Finishing with cheese in my 20, <laughs> in my early 20s. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's a really important point to make here that this was like a gradual thing of just kind of like phasing out some stuff. I think when a lot of people think of going vegan or going vegetarian, that it's like, okay, just overnight, you need to completely cut that out. Um, and I know for me, it like my, I'm, I am primarily plant-based. And I know for me, that was like, very much a um, a slow over many years. And even today, it's still something I somewhat struggle with. But I think that's a really important uh, point to make there. And even thinking about the fact that, you know, it hadn't even really hit you that 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 connection of eating Taco Bell and not feeling well. And I think that goes to show kind of how disconnected we are with what we're putting in our bodies and A, where that came from, but also B, how it impacts us. Totally. It's so hard to forget the lifetime of what you've learned about food. Mm -hmm. And I always say, do it gradually, set yourself up for success and go at a pace that's comfortable for you and for your family. Sometimes people will watch a documentary on Netflix Mm -hmm. and have this strong desire to do a whole lifestyle change overnight. And, And then when they feel like they can't keep it up, they... They feel like they've they failed and mm-hmm. they say, this lifestyle isn't for me. I can't do it. I tried it. It didn't happen. And so instead of taking that approach, I recommend one where you try meatless Mondays, mm-hmm. you then go a full day plant-based and take little steps, get everyone on board. And mm-hmm. it, it's just a more long-term successful approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. Um, And I'm curious if you've spoken to that track coach that kind of set you on this journey a little bit. And and does that track coach know where you are today now? (laughs) No, no. You know what? I've thought about about it multiple times and I don't even remember his name. I'm sure I can go back to high school and find out, but it's just, it's really interesting how 
you meet someone and they change Mm-hmm. They change your life completely. Yeah. Sometimes they don't even know it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. There's, um, it's funny for me, there was a guy in my, um, in my graduate class who had said something very profound to me and, um, I don't, I, I still have never told him to this day, but I've spoken about him publicly so much. Um, and it's, it's, it's very interesting how that, how that can happen. Um, and are you still, are you still in contact? Uh, we were for a while after grad school, but then, you know, I moved out here to Seattle and, uh, to finish my program and stuff. And, um, I, I haven't talked to him in many years. I don't even know if he knows the trajectory that my life then went on after school. (laughs) Um, I don't know if he knows about reality TV and all that stuff, but, um, yeah, I would love to get reconnected to him. And that's something I, I always think about, like when I hear stories like yours, where someone is able to say, you know, like, yeah, it was really this really impactful moment I had with this one person. And then I'm like, well, wait, how do we let this person know? (laughs) Like we need to write them a card or something. (laughs) Dear so-and-so, you changed my life forever. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, And then, so that, that kind of all happened for you in high school. And then um, you, you know, in this, in this journey of life that we take, um, your food habits, I'm guessing too, then were impacted by going to college, I believe in part of, uh, in part of your story of uh, establishing plant-based on a budget was struggling with low-paying jobs and um, student loans and all those kinds of things in early adulthood. Yeah, so I didn't become fully plant-based until I was at my community college in Sacramento, and I joined a veg club for support. Mm-hmm. I was already vegetarian, and I wanted more of a community in that space, so I joined the veg club and met so many different people who had very diverse backgrounds who were in a similar position to me. They didn't have a lot of money. They were really deeply rooted in their cultural foods and had Mm. family ties to it. And together we started exploring plant-based living and we Mm. had potlucks and we would cook together and host vegan bake sales. And it was this community that helped me feel more comfortable adopting a plant-based lifestyle. And I mm. strongly recommend for anybody who is exploring life tra- lifestyle change in general to find a community that will help you out. And whether that's through uh, a meetup group or your college campus club, or even Instagram. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. find a community on Instagram or social media, Facebook groups. I, I think it's just so much more helpful to know that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I I have a Facebook group I actually started because I kept on hearing from people who said that their families weren't supportive and mm. they would give them grief. And and so I wanted to create a positive platform for, for people who were interested, but felt totally unsupported. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to create, create an inclusive environment, which showered them with positivity. And so mm. even with people who are not fully plant-based, but are taking a dipping their toe in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are totally welcome and supported. Yeah. So that's how it was for me. And I think that Hmm. at that time, I, I began to look at it from a more ethical approach as well. Hmm. I started for health reasons and I also very slowly began learning about the animal, the animal portion of Mm -hmm. the industrial agriculture process and I didn't like it. And so it, it made it easier for me because I had already stopped eating meat Mm -hmm. to then let my guard down and not be as defensive, which I had been before where I did have vegetarian friends when I was younger and I'd be like, Oh no, you know, it's not for me. It's not my, it's not my thing. I love meat so much. And, uh, when I stopped eating meat for health reasons, I began to be more comfortable hearing about Hmm. hearing about that and, and consciously not supporting it. And so that's, that's something that has kept me vegan, uh, Mm -hmm. for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I hadn't thought of that 
experience yet, but I think that can, can ring so true. And I think it might even be difficult for some people who have listened to these several episodes where I have kind of talked about um, being plant-based and, and vegan and whatnot, where their guards might already be kind of up because they might feel like, you know, well, no, I'm not ready to hear this stuff yet. Like, um, it's, you know, I, I like my meat and that's kind of the way it is. And they have community and family that, that support that. And then once you do kind of start to take some of those steps towards it already, you're able to see more of it. And that's definitely, you know, I, I personally am, am plant-based and, um, you know, I just recently was in Calgary and went to this, um, animal sanctuary farm, uh, the Alice sanctuary and met with the founder of that, um, where she takes in these like abused and neglected and just like abandoned factory farmed animals and just like sitting and meeting with all of them. Like, first of all, they were all so affectionate after being so abused and in these really terrible situations and, you know, similar to you, like, um, going more plant-based was more of a health thing for me. I've just, I felt better and, and all of that, but then facing like the fact and making that connection that has been so intentionally broken and disrupted in our society, um, is like levels of painful to try to face that, um, and, and I think you're right. I think having some kind of a community around it is so important. Um, I'm not sure what you're like, I'm curious how your family rea- reacted to you, um, you know, changing for health reasons and then going from changing uh, due to ethical reasons. Like if it sounds like you had that community in college, but um, how was, how did family and, and friends outside of that react? That's a really good question. But can I touch on something you said about the sanctuaries first? Yeah. Okay, so uh, early on in my vegan journey, I started working at a farmed animal sanctuary, and it was the most profound experience for mm-hmm. me to work one-on-one. And I remember I I had just gone through this really horrific breakup, and I was just distraught. I was constantly crying, and I, we as a sanctuary uh gained custody of a calf who had Mm. been, who had escaped from a not so great situation. Mm -hmm. He lost his mother and he was super afraid of everyone. Mm -hmm. And I remember I would go and I would cry in this pen because I was having my thing and he was having his thing. And he would like, when we first started, he would sit all the way in his corner and I would sit in my corner and we kind of just look at each other. Mm -hmm. And every day we got closer and closer and closer. And then one day he finally put put his head in my lap and allowed me to pet him and just laid there with me. And I thought, this is such a wonderful, beautiful thing where he has suffered so much and he has trusted again. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to take note of that and Mm -hmm. model my behavior after his, because it was just really sweet. And Mm -hmm. it took a long time for him to gain that trust. And, and so, yeah, the things I've learned from animals and the way I've come to respect them has been amazing. But Mm -hmm. to answer your question about the family, my family, it took them a while. I think they thought for a long time that it was a phase in my life. And I have been unconventional in so many ways. My family is pretty conservative and they're Mexican and they're uh, religious. And Mm -hmm. so they're just, I've been very different from what they thought they would expect from their own child. Yeah. And uh, my whole, my whole family, my, my brother, me, uh, mm-hmm. we're both, we're both different than what they thought they expected. And so yeah. they, uh, slowly, 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 slowly grow with us and, um, learn about the lifestyles that we've chosen. Mm. And it's taken a while, but I remember, oh, I think it was in my late twenties, my mom baked me a cake that was, uh, homemade from scratch, all vegan. She made this wonderful meal, and I thought, "Wow, this is this is really nice." Yeah, that's and a I step. totally feel the love. Yeah, mm-hmm. it had taken ten years, but <laughs> much appreciated still. Yeah, and now they they always have something for me to eat when I go over. They consider me when making reservations places, and mm-hmm. those are all things I appreciate. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, important to try to understand and empathize that like, just as the journey for you is not an overnight one, that it might also not be for friends and family to like accept that and to make those changes. Because even when you change something so small in in your life or something huge in your life, it is going to impact your interactions with everyone else around you. And I, I think it is important to acknowledge, you know, where that can be difficult for them to experience as well. Um, yeah, definitely. And another thing to consider is that in certain cultures, affection mm-hmm. is expressed through food sharing. Yes. And in my, in my culture, that is the case. And so when my family makes me food, it's because they love me and they want to show me that they love me and I'm totally the same. So I very much get that. Mm-hmm. And when I first rejected their food, I, imagine that it hurt their feelings. Like that's part of it. It's not, it's not that they so much care that I've made a lifestyle change. It's that I'm rejecting their food and their affection. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I still try to keep in mind when, um, when I go over to their house that I bring something to share with them so that they can still share food with me. And then now they Mm -hmm. usually have something I can eat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like food is such a community focused thing. Like we bond so much and we, um, we really come together over food, like just as, as beings, that's, that's part of what helps connect us. And yeah, if, if you're eating different things or not eating something that someone's making you, especially with those cultural, uh, significances, if that's a word, um, (laughs) it's, it can definitely, I think, cause a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a, I don't even know, I'm blanking on the word, but um, some conflict there maybe uh, mm-hmm. to, to then deal with. Okay, yeah, I want to take a little bit of a break here. Um, everyone is always asking me for resources, especially when it comes to talking about things like mental health and therapy. And I'm really, really excited to have um, BetterHelp as a sponsor here on the podcast. Um, and I think it could be really helpful for some of you who are listening and maybe like to use the podcast as a sort of supplemental therapy. Um, but BetterHelp actually offers online counseling um, from licensed professional counselors who specialize in all kinds of issues, um, no matter what you're dealing with whether it's stress or relationships or trauma or LGBT matters, um, grief, there's really a counselor for any kind of issue on here that you might be struggling with. Um, The professional counselors that you match with, uh, it's a safe and private online environment. So anything that you share is confidential and it just makes it very convenient. So I know not everyone has the time to go in and see a therapist, um, but with BetterHelp, you can now get help at your own time, at your own pace. Um, You can schedule secure video or phone sessions. Plus, you can also chat or text with your therapist. And this is the best part. If you're not happy with your counselor, you can just request a new one at any time, which I know is something people tend to struggle with when they're actually seeing a therapist is not knowing how to communicate, you know, that maybe this isn't working out. So um, when you use BetterHelp, it actually makes it quite simple to do. Um, it's really a truly a food affordable option. Um, and let's, let's talk about it. Listeners now get 10% off your first month with discount code Taylor. So, I mean, why not get started today? You guys can go to betterhelp.com slash Taylor and just simply fill out a questionnaire, uh, that will help them assess your needs and then you'll get matched with a counselor that you'll love. Um, again, that's betterhelp.com slash Taylor. And I hope you guys enjoy it. I mean, what better day to get help than today? (laughs) So I hope you guys take advantage of this and um, get some help. But all right, now that (laughs) I just wanted to share that with you guys, I think that'd be super helpful. And again, I'm always getting asked for resources for therapy. And I think online counseling can be a great option for some people. So make sure you guys check that out. And um, now we can kind of get back to the show. I'm curious a little bit if you can touch on this. Um, part of how that's impacted like your dating or your relationships? Oh, yeah. So I'm now married, but I was online dating for years, years and years mm-hmm. and years. And I tried everything. I tried OkCupid and Bumble and Tinder and all the things that was mm-hmm. set up. And when I first started, I wore my veganism like a badge. I would mm-hmm. put it on my profile, vegan, blah, 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 like all of the mm-hmm. descriptives that made up my life. And I realized that it was becoming it was becoming a negative topic where people felt the need to say, look, 
I respect that you're vegan, but I'm not going to ever be vegan. And I was like, I never, like, I didn't yeah. even ask you. We didn't even talk about food. It was just something <laughs> that people felt the need to put out there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want that. So when I changed it to vegetarian, it was a, like people were a lot more receptive. They yeah. didn't feel the need to talk about it. And mm-hmm. I remember, oh my gosh, I'm such a hard sell, my dad would say, because I also <laughs> don't drink coffee and I don't drink I don't alcohol. either. Same. And, <laughs> and so my dad was like, okay, so you're dating. You can't say, oh, let's grab a drink. Or you can't say, let's go get coffee or let's go get dinner. What are you going to say? <laughs> and so I just thought it was so funny. And yeah, uh, when I when I stopped wearing it, as this really big, bold thing that made up my identity and tried to just have a personality fit. Instead, it made it made it a lot easier to date because mm-hmm. people are a little bit reserved. And and yeah. also, you both drinking and food are such big social things. Mm-hmm. You go eat, you go, there are all kinds of food trucks here and food festivals and mm-hmm. And people want to go experience those. They want to go to wine tasting. They mm-hmm. want to go to breweries. And I just, they're not, those things are not that fun for me because yeah. I can't have so many things. And so I totally understand why people wouldn't be so interested, but hmm. I am fun. I'm yeah. Really nice. <laughs> so I'm yes. glad, um, I have, a few people have taken a chance on me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's funny. I, one of the questions I was going to ask you a little bit later was, um, if you did drink alcohol, cause I hadn't in my previous conversations with people who are vegan or plant-based, we haven't touched on that. And to me, um, that's a very interesting topic of maybe being vegan or vegetarian and wanting to be very health conscious and like environmentally conscious. And, um, then also to still drink alcohol, um, the alcohol piece is something I get a lot of questions on and um, people have wanted to, to do a full episode on and I haven't gotten to that yet, but I think this is a great opportunity to touch on that a little bit here um, because I'm curious for you kind of how that started and and if you have ever drank or if you have just never touched it and it's never been a part of your lifestyle or what. I have never consumed alcohol, which okay. is shocking because uh, I am not I am personally not religious. I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in an, in a community that did like I grew up in the opposite community where everybody yeah. drank. Yeah, and so, yeah same. Uh, I I watched the people I love make mm-hmm. very bad decisions, decisions that completely affected their lives them forever mm-hmm. and decided that that just was not a road I wanted to take. Mm-hmm. I know that my personality can be sometimes obsessive and addictive mm-hmm. and it's just not a road I want to go down. Yeah. And even now I've, you know, I've gone I've gone to AA meetings to support friends mm-hmm. and I've picked friends up from from yeah. the club late at night. I I, I for <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just it's become such a big part of my life of what I don't want yeah that I can't well I'm certain that it would never change yeah yeah no I mean I think that's a really good point and I know that's definitely been part of it for me of just seeing how it can impact other people and um knowing that you know that that wouldn't be would not be a good fit with me um and and again also kind of goes to the health aspect of all of this you know knowing that red meat doesn't work well with my body knowing that dairy doesn't really sit well with me that you know drinking alcohol would be just poisoning myself and like not not something that I would enjoy or make me feel good um and I think it's important when putting something in your body, deciding and figuring out if that's something that's going to nourish you or, um, you know, make you feel really crappy, whether it's physically or emotionally. Um, cause that, that can be very, very tough. Um, and even, mm-hmm. even going back a little bit to, um, you know, when you started plant-based on a budget and that, that lifestyle of living paycheck to paycheck. And when I think back to myself in my very early twenties of being in grad school, being recently, uh, out of a relationship, paying rent for a single family home by myself, um, working at the hustler club as a promo girl, trying to pay my rent, um, you know, going to the farmer's markets was how I was primarily feeding myself. I was 
in that previous relationship, he was very well off. And so I didn't really pay for anything. And then was in this situation where I was really having to pay for everything and and car troubles, even how you had mentioned. Um, And it really took a toll on me mentally. It was also a very specific point in my life where I looked at what I was putting in my body, how I can do this in a way that is affordable um, without sacrificing like my health. Um, And it was a really tough, tough time for me, (laughs) like emotionally. Um, And so I'm curious for you kind of what that period was was really like for you. Because I mean, when we look at just kind of what you have to show for it, you know, it looks very great. It looks like this very pretty, well put together. Um, you know, the book is absolutely gorgeous. Um, but I'm, I'm, I imagine that there were some really tough times getting to this point. It's, it's wonderful that you mentioned that because I think that social media has a, a very good way of distorting reality mm-hmm. and making life look very polished. And I remember commenting to one of my friends about how that's something that I didn't like about social media, and mm-hmm. she was, she pointed out that. If you look at my social media, it, mm-hmm. I don't really share the not so glamorous parts of life. Mm-hmm. I only share what what I, I mostly share food stuff. But yeah. uh, it looks like I live a very comfortable life, and I do. I'm so grateful and privileged. But mm-hmm. I have had many struggles that led led to where I am now. Mm-hmm. And so, what it looked like for me was I moved out of my house after high school, and I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't at that time. Uh, I was very much clashing with my with my dad, mm-hmm. and uh, so I moved out. It was one of those things where he was going out of town, and he came back, and all my stuff was gone. Mm, yeah, and, that's uh, real. That's so, that's a little bit more than clashing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, that's intense. He, he, we're we're on good terms now, and he brings it up all the time. He's like, "Remember that one time where I came <laughs> home and all your stuff was gone, and you never came back?" Yeah, uh, and so I moved in to a into a bedroom where I shared it with two other people. We had bunk beds and Mm. a twin bed in it. And, um, it was, it was, it was like getting thrown to the wolves. Mm -hmm. You know, you just don't have, you're not prepared for it. And I was, I I felt very young and inexperienced. Mm -hmm. And although I had probably more life experience than some of my friends, I still could have, I could have uh, been better with more. Mm -hmm. And so I worked multiple jobs. I worked at the mall at Express. Mm -hmm. I worked at a shoe store called Nine West. And then I also worked as a part-time nanny. Mm. And there were times where I didn't have a car, so I'd have to bicycle, which is not fun when you're having to grocery shop and everything is more difficult when you don't have money. So when your car breaks down, mm-hmm. it, it's not like you can go get it fixed yeah. when you're like hungry. What it's just, everything mm-hmm. is more difficult when you don't have a lot of money. And it was, that was probably the most difficult part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I, I feel very privileged to, to say that cause I have never been homeless or, mm-hmm. or, uh, yeah really hungry, but I, yeah, that was probably the most stressful time of my life. And Mm -hmm. I do think that I learned a lot about how to be frugal, how to save my money. I didn't have any experience in money management. Mm -hmm. So whenever I did get money, it was natural for me to go spend it on things I didn't need. Mm. Uh, And so it was in my mid twenties that I really learned how to manage money to save money. And now I'm super lucky to have a a backup of Mm -hmm. in case something my, in case my car breaks down, I can dip into my savings and go fix it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I know it's not always easy to talk about and I think, um, I think, on one hand, it is important to recognize where even sometimes in our low times, we do still have some privilege. Um, but I also think it's really important to make sure that that you're not necessarily like comparing your struggles to other people's struggles and, and in a way that could potentially be invalidating. Um, because yeah, I mean, it, it does sound like that was a really tough time. And um, I'm 
curious if you can think back to that time, if if there was a way that you were able to practice self-care at all, or if you were just in like total survival mode of like, you know, I need to make sure I have money to eat this and I need to, you know, make sure I get to this job and to that job. Or if there was a time for you of like, I really need to make sure that I'm taking care of myself and that like, this is how I I can do that. Uh, Well, two things. First, it's, it's good that you have mentioned the, not comparing your struggles to others. I remember, so mm-hmm. I know that you talk a lot about counseling and, mm-hmm. and therapy. And I remember when I first visited a counselor and mm-hmm. I I felt this guilt that what I was dealing with was not as severe as some of the other people mm-hmm. I know who have received counseling. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking to my counselor about it and she said the same thing, like, don't compare yourself. I just felt like... I felt I'm so privileged to have never had any, like, like the things I mentioned, I've, I've not Mm -hmm. been homeless. I've not, I have sanitation systems Mm -hmm. and access to water and these basic necessities that other people don't, unfortunately don't have. And so I felt silly kind of talking about, you know, that I broke up with my boyfriend and Mm -hmm. this, we got in a fight and all this other stuff. And so, um, that was something I really had to work through and I still work through today. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that there's that portion. And mm-hmm. then what was your question? Um, of what self-care looked like for you in that. Oh, self-care. You know, self-care is something that I didn't even know was a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even know mm-hmm. that is a thing. And I think I've looked into it and I mean, since then, and I have, learned a lot about how culture plays into that yeah, and how um, there is a big stigma in therapy, mm-hmm. especially because certain cultures believe that like we were destined for what we have. Mm-hmm. God, ha- God controls our, God mm-hmm. controls our destiny and, and he has a path for me and all this other stuff. And so, uh, and then also that family should be your support system. Like if you have a problem, yeah. go talk to your mom. Was that and, kind of how your family operated? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I, I just didn't even know that that was an option. And when I decided that I needed something more and also something more like, um, something less biased, mm-hmm, yeah. uh, I looked into counseling services in my mid twenties mm-hmm. and went to, um, something that is here in Sacramento where I live that is a nonprofit counseling service where they allow you to pay on a sliding scale. So if you don't have a lot of money, you can pay $20 per Mm -hmm. session. And if you make a little bit more money, you can pay $40 per session and and it's honor system. So Mm -hmm. you pay what you think you can afford. Yeah. And And so I, I have now had the same counselor there for five or six years. Yeah. That's so great. I mean, that makes me really happy to know that that you were able to find that resource. And um, I think it's wonderful that you brought the fact that that those kind of resources are available. Because I think a lot of people struggle with, you know, not only just trying to eat maybe plant-based on a budget, but also self-care on a budget and therapy on a budget. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and I think it's important for people to know, you know, that there are therapists and counselors out there who uh, will see you on sliding scale fees and that there are nonprofits out there doing stuff like the one in Sacramento that you went to. Um, and that's amazing. I'm, I'm glad that you went there and, um, and that she was able to kind of help you unpack some of this stuff maybe. And yeah, I think it's, it's, it's on one hand great that we have this kind of trend in self-care, but it's also kind of a dangerous thing as well, because I think it's, it's been used for marketing in a way that can actually be really unhealthy for us, even in terms of like, you know, self-care, eat this whole pint of ice cream. Like, um, you deserve it. You've worked really hard. And even self-care with like, have a glass of wine. You had a tough day. That's mm-hmm. self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just curious what your, what your thoughts are on that. Cause it's like you said, you didn't really know what self-care was then. Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I can, take things to the extreme. And so even my forms of self-care are, have been a little bit obsessive and I've fortunately picked things that were ultimately healthy 
healthier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but like, I remember I was looking for an outlet. I was working, I was actually working at that sanctuary mm-hmm. and it was a mile, I'm sorry, it was an hour and a half commute each way. And a, it was in rush hour. So I would feel so frustrated by the time I got to work and by the time I got home and my social life just stopped existing. And I really liked my job, but I was killing myself to make it happen. And Mm -hmm. I started running so that I could relieve some stress. And rather than like recreationally jogging, I started marathon training. It wasn't (laughs) like a, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to pick up running for fun. And I had never run distance running. I had always been a sprinter. And so that's a very different style of running. Mm -hmm. And it it just, I I think that even in our, like you said, even in our self-care, we can be a little bit and still have some unhealthy tendencies Mm -hmm. like, like that, where I could have just gone for a jog after work, but instead I needed to do something more extreme. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really important to note that it's Yes, we can still be taking care of ourselves in one way, but that in that way, it might just be more soothing and that can definitely be done in very healthy ways. And it can also be done in uh, perhaps some more harmful ways. Um, And yeah, it it sounds like you, maybe it's through the process of of this therapy that you've had, but are very self-aware in the fact that, you know, that you do have this more um, obsessive personality, like you said, where um, I'm glad that, that you shared this example of the running. So I was going to ask, like, how did you know that you have more of that kind of a personality to like make the decision to stay away from things like alcohol and whatnot? Um, but that's a that's a great example of that. Um, and so I'm curious what that looks like for you now, now that you do kind of know a little bit more about self-care and are aware of these perhaps more obsessive tendencies and whatnot. Um, it sounds like um, consistent therapy has been a part of your self-care. Um, and I'm curious, what else? I think that being a trying to be a well-rounded person in general has made me a lot more mentally and emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. I used to be... Like when I, in my earlier 20s, my relationships, especially, I would find a new friend or a new boyfriend and then spend all of my time with them. Mm -hmm. And when that friendship or that relationship ended, it left me devastated, like unable to find myself because I had lost it within someone else. Mm -hmm. And now I know what that looks like. And I know the consequences of those actions. And I have worked really, really hard with all different types of things. Um, Part of it was my regular therapy. Part of it was um, finding things that make make me happy that don't involve other people, Mm, like like hobbies. And uh, I took up swing dancing Swing so dancing. fun. <laughs> Swing dancing is my favorite. I love and that. It, it taught me how to be more independent and social mm-hmm. at the same time without depending on one person in particular to bring me happiness. And also in my relationship, which I believe my marriage is my most, my most healthy relationship, I have given him part of part of myself, but I still keep a lot open. I have time for my parents, Mm -hmm. time for my friends, time for myself, time for my work. And that has made me just a more even, positive, generally happy person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've never met you in person before, but from your photos in your book and from your photos on your Instagram, like you do very much have this smile that is like, you are a happy, positive person. Um, Not just like I'm smiling for the photo, but like you just, you do have this very like warm, welcoming, positive kind of vibe to you. And I don't know if that's just because you're really great at taking photos, but (laughs) it's it's (laughs) what I pick up and even a little bit more from this conversation. And um, yeah, I think... I think that's something most people in like early 20s and I think even in relationships, that's like really common to struggle with of not, I feel like it's kind of one, one extreme or the other where we're either like full in it and are hyper-focused on it or it's like, we're just really not about it. Um, And 
I think that's a wonderful way to look at self-care that I don't think anyone's ever given me that answer to of, of trying to make sure that you're like well-rounded in that way. Um, because yeah, I think it's important to be connected to so many things and to make sure that those connections are quality and that they're maintained. And, um, I'm, I was thinking about this before, um, we, we hopped on the call to start recording and, and this has kind of made me think about it now too, as, as you talk about, you know, making sure that you have time for hobbies and making sure that you are also being present in your relationships, not just your romantic one, but with your family and friends as well. Um, part of the plant-based on a budget, um, is that we like our food to happen quickly and cheap and conveniently. Um, and as I was like going through that, I'm like, I know that that's what our society wants. I know that that's what we want when we're like so busy and on the go. But then I was thinking in terms of my self-care for me, it's like, a major part of that is when I sit down and I really take the time to like make a full meal. And it's like this, you know, hour long journey of putting together this meal with all these different um, ingredients. Most of the time, really simple ingredients that I'm just taking the time to put together maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And was curious what that looked like for you. You know, if, if it really is important for you to have the convenience of, of food in that way, or, or if you do look at it as, you know, these are great, um, recipes and, and, uh, budget friendly for people who maybe don't have a lot of time, but then also like, maybe we do challenge ourselves to spend a little bit more of that time connecting with our food and around the table. Well, I wish I could say I ate at home every single day, every single meal, but that is not the truth. Mm -hmm. However, I do still feel this strong tie to showing my affection through serving people the food that I made them. And so when I'm social, it is often at my house Mm -hmm. and I cook dinner nearly every night, maybe, maybe six nights a week. And at that time, this is something, this is like the rule in my house that everyone knows. <laughs> when I light the candle at the table, that <laughs> means put your phone away, get it out of my sight. I don't want to see it. I will serve you a beautiful meal, but I ask that in return, you give me your company. Mm-hmm. And it's really, it's been, it's been really nice sometimes. And I know that both my husband and I, but I, I think a lot of people in general, they get into this like, routine where they're constantly busy at work, then they come home and then they're exhausted and they whip up a meal together. And whether that's um, a fast or slow meal, it doesn't really matter. But what happens after when you serve the meal is what is really important. And a lot of times that is sitting in front of the TV. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want that for my family. I want to make sure that we're actually using that time to reconnect. We hadn't seen each other, talk to each other a lot all day. And that's our time. Yeah. And whoever's joining us for dinner, that's our time to connect and share our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that idea of like when the candle's lit, it's like, it's time to be present. Yep. I think that's, I need, I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> <laughs> next time I have people over or when my boyfriend's back in town, that's, that's going to be the rule. <laughs> it's so easy to just say, oh, I'm just checking my email really quickly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I just have to respond to this text message. Mm-hmm. And that really breaks the connection. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree and uh, appreciate that, that notion of, you know, regardless of how long it takes you to whip up the meal, that at least the enjoyment of the meal itself is a connecting experience for, for everyone to kind of gather around and enjoy. Um, and actually last time when my boyfriend was here, we peeked through the book and your plant based on a budget book that's out now. And, um, as soon as we started flipping through it, we were like, Oh my God, these all look so freaking delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It was actually really important to me to have a recipe photo for Mm -hmm. each recipe, because I know that 
people eat with their eyes first. Yes, absolutely. And even um, actually just sent um, before we hopped on our call here, my girlfriend Vanessa had texted me and uh, she was like, girl, I hate everything I'm eating today. And I was like, girl, eat some soup and sent her a picture of <laughs> um, the ginger butternut squash soup and nice. uh, and a, just a cover, a picture of the cover of the book. And uh, I was like, yeah, I'm interviewing with this like awesome girl today. And I'm really excited to talk more food things with her. And she was like, damn, that looks real good. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope she likes it. Yes. Yeah. Do, do you have a pressure cooker? Um, I don't. Um, I okay. have like, I feel like I have every other appliance but that. <laughs> um, that has been a real life changer for me because I am at this point in my life, very busy mm-hmm. and it still helps me. It, it, helps me reach my goal in cooking because all I have to do is cut a bunch of stuff up, throw it in the Instant Pot Mm -hmm. and leave it be. I don't have to monitor the stove. I don't have to Mm -hmm. like nurse it. It just does its thing, beeps when it's done. I let the pressure out and the meal is good to go. And Mm -hmm. I love it so much. Yeah. See, I don't know if I just am a weirdo or if I just like need to be more productive in other ways. And I find that like my cooking time is the time I get to like escape that or what, but I don't know. I, I, when I'm actually like excited about cooking something and putting together a meal and like getting creative in that way, like I like just being in my kitchen. Like I don't want to be out doing other things. I'm like, I just want to be in here with the food and like figuring out creative ways to get it together. I don't know. It's just, it's a very, like I I have said on the podcast many times that like my time to like do the dishes is like my time to really practice like being mindful. It's like a weird form of meditation for me where I'm not thinking about anything else except each dish that I'm placing in the dishwasher. Um, And it's like this similar thing for me with cooking. Like when I'm cooking and putting something together, I'm not thinking about anything else that I have to do. I am I am like, I go into the kitchen and I'm like, I'm setting aside this time. I'm going to, you know, put on my creative hat. It's almost like a form of play for me. Um, mm-hmm. And do you have silence or do you listen to music while you're doing it? I do listen to music. And okay. it's, it's usually like, I'm very all over the map with my music. The only thing I don't like is like country and rock, but everything else I'm like, I'll be, you know, jamming out to Drake or jamming out to Lizzo or something. But then when it comes time to like cook, I'm like Nora Jones and like (laughs) just like really chill. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just like a very peaceful time for me that, that I do really enjoy. And, and granted that happens more frequently in summer and in winter and all the time in between, I feel like is when I am really just more benefiting from things like being playing on a budget and just 30 minute like quick meals um, Mm -hmm. that I don't have to spend a lot of time on because I am like, I don't know, in in a different zone in those periods of the year for whatever reason. Yeah, that that makes total sense. I, uh, when talking about being plant-based on a budget, I think it's very common for people to be super conscious of the price Mm-hmm. but not so conscious about the time investment. Mm-hmm. And for me, I I love eating with people, but the time in the kitchen is kind of the means to an end for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So I that's something I struggle with. I, I want the most efficient yeah. cooking possible when I'm in the kitchen so that I can get mm-hmm. spending time, get to spending time with um, my people or going on a walk or mm-hmm. doing pretty much anything else. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think like, I, I don't know, again, I think maybe I'm just a weirdo in that sense <laughs> where no, I've I, just, I've created that as like, finds their, everyone finds their like quiet time in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, for me, it's become more of like, that's like my alone time, um, that I do get to get to enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah, when I have like people coming over or something or my boyfriend's here, it's definitely, it's a, it's a different feeling to it. Um, do you like to entertain? I do. I do. Most, again, that's where like mostly in the summer and like in the, you know, in the dead of winter in Seattle that, um, 
that I end up having people over because I'm like in winter, it's like, I need to not isolate myself. So I need to like make a meal and have friends over. (laughs) And in summertime, it's like, you know, I'm here with my garden and my plants on my balcony and I'm very local. Um, I'm very like central location to a lot of things in Seattle. So, um, we'll end up having a lot of friends over at my, at my apartment. And do you, do you live anywhere near the century ballroom? So I'm somewhat close to Century. Um, I'm in Lower Queen Anne, and that's, I believe, in, like, Fremont. Um, That's the only thing I really know because I go swing dancing there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been there a few times, but I didn't know that that they do swing dancing. Mm -hmm. I think they also do salsa dancing, too. Yeah, yeah. Wait, so... But you live in California, right? Yes, but okay. I travel around for. I used to used to travel when I was single. That was a way for me to be really um, connected with people. Mm. I felt like swing dancing brought this mm-hmm. intimacy and connection that I craved. Yeah, and so I got really extra, super duper into it. At, yes, at that time. Please tell me that you met your husband swing dancing. I didn't, but he has since started swing dancing. And so it's so fun that we go together and that he has invested so much time learning this thing that he would have never, ever, ever, ever considered doing Mm -hmm. had it not been for wanting to be part of my world too. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sweet. Mm. Um, Well, before we start to wrap up a little bit, um, I do want to shine a little bit more light here um, on plant based on a budget. And you have so many like great tips for people in there. Um, and was curious if you wanted to share some of your tips for uh, people to help save time cooking so that they can get to um, those connecting moments with the people in their lives. Sure. I, okay. So I'm all about meal planning, mm-hmm. planning ahead. And that is done in a lot of different ways. And I think it starts from the very beginning of writing your list. And I didn't even consider it until until I started doing meal plans for plant-based on a budget. And when I wrote my list, I would kind of throw everything down and then go to the grocery store and walk from the produce aisle, then to the beverage aisle, mm-hmm. then to the blah, blah, blah aisle and then back to the produce aisle. And I'd spend an hour at the grocery store walking back across the thing because I was so disorganized. And so I start saving time by organizing my grocery list. And it sounds so silly but and insignificant, but it, it saves so much time at mm-hmm. the grocery store. Organizing your list, putting produce. Here's all of the produce. Canned things. Here's all the canned things. Bulk items. Bulk items section, you know, Uh, and starting there is a good place. And then organizing your week, like um, note your day off and Mm. meal prep on that day so that when you're exhausted after work, you don't have to be prepping all of your food. You already have it all chopped up. So if you, you can either batch cook on that day, or you can at least prep your overnight oats, uh, cut up your onion and garlic or your celery and carrots so that you don't have to worry about that extra step when you're in your work week. Mm-hmm. Also, you can do things like smoothie bags. I love smoothie bags where you just take Tupperware and fill them up with all of your smoothie contents so that in the morning, all you have to do is dump it in the, in the blender and pour in some almond milk. Mm-hmm. So uh, those are some really easy ways to save time both in the morning and then right after work. And Mm -hmm. meal planning is like my jam. I love, I love meal planning. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like I need to do more of that. Um, And uh, another question that like I get asked a lot and that I'm curious how you'd answer. Um, I did see in some of the recipes that you feature things like field roast, which is like a vegan sausage and they're actually based out of Seattle. Um, and they're super great. And I've, I've used them in so many different recipes and posted them and people are like, what is this? And I'm like, it's a really delicious vegan sausage. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious for you, like, how, what kind of tips maybe you'd give to people who want to eat plant-based on a budget, but they also want to make sure that they are getting their protein. Oh yes. The protein, protein, protein. Yeah. Everyone (laughs) wants to know, how are you getting your protein? Uh, Well, I stick to the basics. So the way, um, the way plant-based on a budget is, is 
worked as, as you've seen is that I have a staple recipe and then I put optional ingredients where mm. you can add your extra field roast. And I do love field roast. I love uh, the Beyond Meat and those are great sources of protein, but they are extra money. And so if you are mm. on a tight budget and you can't afford those delicious plant-based options that are pre-made, you can stick to beans, which is something I rely heavily on. Mm. I eat I eat a lot of beans and you can do many different things. So you can do chilies, you can do mm-hmm. like a million different um, Latin style dishes and also peanut sauce. That's mm-hmm. a go-to. I put peanut sauce on it, everything. Yeah. I, I eat so many peanuts. I'm like cracking peanuts out all day long. <laughs> do, you, do you eat them with the shell? Do you like crack them with the shells or do you buy them already shelled? So I buy them with the shells on them. And then usually like as I'm sitting here, like uploading an episode or writing an email, I'm like cracking peanuts just like throughout the day. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's, I love peanuts too. And they're so cheap. Yeah. And also seeds, sunflower seeds are a great source of protein and Mm -hmm. they're dirt cheap in bulk. Yeah. Uh, Soy milk great option. I use the silk milk, which is uh, super high in protein. Hmm. It's unsweetened. And I I also have a lot of tofu dishes. I I would probably say of my seven, if I were cooking dinner seven nights, I would do maybe three nights tofu, three nights some sort of bean. And that mm-hmm. could be in a pasta dish, that could be in a soup, whatever. And then maybe one day I would do something like a peanut sauce with peanuts chopped on it. Hmm. Yeah, see, I don't know. I, I like, I go back and forth. Like I'll occasionally have some tofu, but for me, I feel like I try to stay away from soy as much as possible. So like even with my milk, like, I don't know if you've tried them before, but Ripple. Um, oh, it's like, yes. Yeah. It's really good. It's it a is, pea protein base. Yes. And I love like bit, most of any kind of like protein that I am getting that's not like from a direct uh, like food ingredient is coming from something that has pea protein in it. Um, so even like my, I have Go Macro bars that I love and those are vegan. And um they, uh, their, their main protein in there is a pea protein. Um, and yeah, the ripple milk is super, super yummy and I use it like in everything. Um, what I love about it is that it's so thick and creamy. So if you drink a vitamin D milk before and you, you're used to that heavier milk, it really is a great, um, swap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. Like, I feel like, (laughs) One thing I've said in some of the previous episodes around being plant-based is that I try to look at it as less of cutting myself off from other things and like I'm losing um, and limiting myself, but more that I'm like expanding my creativity and expanding my knowledge on all these other things that can provide me with nutrients. Um, Like spirulina is another one that's like a green algae um, that has super, super high protein and is so easy for your body to absorb like much easier than absorbing like a steak or something um and learning about all these different things that can provide nutrients that's just like it's a new exciting uh kind of journey (laughs) Mm -hmm. and i i had a very similar experience i grew up eating um my my palate was not very diverse i'll just say that Mm -hmm. and i of of international dishes. I had probably had like just Mexican styled food, um, pasta for Italian pizza and Mm. Chinese food. But other than that, I hadn't really tried a lot of different styles of food, cultural foods. And now when I, when I became vegetarian and then vegan, I tried Indian and Ethiopian and Mm -hmm. Thai and all these really vegetarian friendly foods Mm -hmm. that I now love and can't imagine living without. And, and instead of, instead of feeling like, oh man, I can't eat anything. I now feel like, oh my gosh, I I've lived, I lived for so long, not eating so many things. And now I've tried them and I don't think I would have tried them had I stuck to my old diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's such a good point. Um, 
yeah, thank you so much for answering just some of those um, those tip questions. Um, you have so many other great tips listed in the book, Plant Based on a Budget. Um, and I'm curious if people want to find you and kind of follow you and learn more about all your great tips that you have for eating plant-based, um, where can people find you? Uh, thank you. My website is plantbasedonabudget.com. I meal plan at plantbasedmealplan.com. And then I'm very active on Instagram at plantbasedonabudget. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you mentioned earlier too, the Facebook group that you had uh, started for oh, people yeah. to have a little bit of a community. Do you still have that running? I do. Yes, I do. And that is Plant Based on a Budget support group on Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's like a super great tool for people in this. I think the biggest part of that transition is feeling like you are alone and like unless you have a friend that you're doing it with or are in school and can kind of become a part of some kind of a club that it can feel a little isolating and like you're really deviating from a most of society and then be uh, what your you know immediate community might be interested in but yeah the support group on Facebook and even you know following people that are plant-based on Instagram uh, like yourself I think could be really helpful to try to find that community yeah thanks and what I what I love about that community in particular is that sometimes I see people who are really struggling and everyone is so supportive like one person I remember they said you know, I was at work and they gave a free, like free catering for lunch. And I've been eating plant-based this whole time, but then I, I slipped up this week and now I'm back trying to eat plant-based. And rather than everyone being like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. They, they said, oh, we totally understand. It's so mm-hmm. hard when they're catering at your work and mm-hmm. you smell it and everyone's eating it. So we totally understand, but good for you for trying again. And mm-hmm. it, like, just, it's about progress, not perfection. And yes. and so uh, that attitude is what keeps people continuing to try eating mm-hmm. plant-based and, and it's not condemning them for eating whatever they wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. It's it's the positivity that keeps them keeps them going. Yeah, that's so beautiful. I um I part of what I shared in the episode with the woman who um who runs the sanctuary was this whole notion around kind of shame when it comes to your diet. And for me, I've I'm very particular of not identifying any kind of way in terms of my diet. Like people will ask, you know, are you vegetarian? Are you vegan? And I always say, like, no, I'm not, but like I'm primarily plant-based and I eat like at least one vegan meal a day. Like, you know, I, I kind of set myself up that way because if I were to post that, you know, I had fried chicken and waffles one day at brunch or something, that people would be like, <laughs> you're supposed to be vegan. I'm like, yeah, but like, I I also really wanted it that day or, you know, like, yeah, I intentionally made the disconnection so that I could do this. Um, And yeah, it, it can be really hard. I think when you do have that label to, you know, find yourself in these situations like a work catering or, you know, or you're traveling and it's really hard to find something and you're just like, you're so hungry. Um, I know that's a situation I unfortunately find myself in frequently, but of having that self-compassion with yourself and, and not being so hard on yourself that like, you know, you slipped up or you're struggling with the transition um, because that can, it's not going to motivate you to continue and, you know, can just kind of further isolate you from, from other people. And so I think that's so great that the support group people are like so supportive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. They're they're a good group of people. Yeah. Amazing. Um, well I'll have the link to that in our episode notes in case anyone wants to check that out. Um, and then people can find you on your Instagram. Um, and then where can people find your book? You can find it on Amazon. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tony. I'm like, I could keep talking to you about this for <laughs> for much longer and I have so many more questions, but really appreciate you taking the time to share some of your personal experiences with all of this and um, your book. Honestly, it's very, very, very beautiful, very well done. Thank and you. like, I hope, I hope you feel very proud. Thank you so much, Taylor. I've enjoyed chatting with you and I'm going to be in Seattle soon. So maybe we can grab some food. Yes, absolutely. Um, let me know when you're coming here. I love to tour guide people here and oh, they're be great. Yeah, there are definitely some good um, 
good restaurants for eating plant-based and also places that have like really great mocktails because I'm all about the mocktail nice. game. <laughs> Me too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, Alrighty. Thank you. And thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. Um, I hope that you guys have enjoyed this little bit of a of a mix talking about food. And I think I think it is an important topic, and it's a topic that I'm really passionate about. And um, I love having these different conversations with people from different backgrounds, and just kind of taking all that in and reflecting on it in terms of how I can live a life that feels you know in alignment with my values and that feels healthy for me. Um, so definitely make sure that you guys check out the links in the episode notes. And if you have any um, topic suggestions or comments about um, these kind of newer episodes focused on this kind of stuff, uh, you can let me know in an email at ask.letstalkaboutit at gmail.com or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. You guys have been leaving some really, really sweet ones on there and it just warms my heart so much. Um, The live podcast was really great to meet some of you guys and I just, you know getting those reviews is like a little mini interaction um, and would love to have more of them with you guys. So thank you guys so much. Um, I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I will talk to you next time. This podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It. At Kroger, we know the minute a tomato is picked, the fresh timer starts. The sooner we get our produce to you, the fresher it is. That's why we've shortened the time from harvest to home for our tasty tomatoes, strawberries, and salads. So no matter how you shop, you have more time with your fresh produce. Kroger, fresh for everyone. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone.